we, we just like we buy freelancers pictures. Um, we were very, we were very shocked when we saw the picture, the woman's face, Donna's face in this picture is the whole thing is disturbing. So I couldn't imagine, um, being that person and seeing that photo pop up. So I talked to, um, I talked to some, some friends, uh, and some colleagues in the victim support services, um, you know, sector and, uh, we did a trigger warning on the front, but then also we blurred the photo. Now, as you see from other media, the photo's not blurred. And through my follow-up conversations with um, with Daniel and Donna, um, seeing that photo and then particularly seeing her face in that photo yeah. has really caused her a lot of like post uh, post event stress. And so it's um it's a, it's 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 really been a tough thing to get through. But I mean. For uh, from our side of it, it was a situation where, you know, more people started running the story to the point that um, as far as I've been able to trace when uh, pro football's when pro yeah, football talked, the NBC, right, up. sports picked yeah. it up um, at about two o'clock. <laughs> we had a sudden large influx of how many Bethany? I think I think when the site went down, there were 200,000 people. Trying yeah. To reach it. And then uh, there was yeah. like a 10,000 like right at once that yeah. just sort of then kicked it all kicked it over the edge and our site went down in the middle of all of this. So and, well, and what happened was yeah. Deadspin emailed me. Well, I'd reached out to Deadspin. Right. Deadspin emailed me back now. If anybody knows me, I've been a Gawker fan from like the early days, like back when there was like Gawker stalker. Like I'm talking like mid two thousand. So my dream has kinda always been to to, you know, get on you know, have have a story or have something that, that I could get on Deadspin. And literally the moment they emailed me that they were gonna cover it and link back to us our site went down and actually they did cover the story i know it's a little blurry but do you, do you have my screenshot from the from the deadspin the original article where they they said our they did link back to us god bless yes. them and they said our our website was currently broke as hell yes so that was <laughs> thanks yeah. pat um yeah so it, we we did we did crash um think i want to give a big ups to mike kotler and his team at one brand creative that's yeah. who handles our web stuff they worked furiously uh they had to move ours to a, a dedicated server they had to upgrade our hosting all kinds of geeky web stuff yeah. um to be able to handle the influx of readers that we got from this so um for those of you that were trying to access the story while the site was down we do we do apologize we had no way of knowing that it was gonna get that right big right um i mean we were linked back from newsweek fox news daily caller new york post nbc sports it was kind of kind of crazy when we when we when we get a tweet from uh fox news or when we get when we get linked from fox news in the daily caller we figure you know we yeah. must have a story that uh that everyone is interested transcends in. politics yes and let me then let me say this it, it it's it's we've actually tried to be very very cautious about exactly how much we talk about this at, at from a point of breaking a story because again it was a horrible thing that happened it really was i mean it it it, so there is that and just a little like i guess behind peek behind the curtain it's journalism is one of those odd things where um you know you're dealing with with tough topics and stuff like that and it's a weird it's a weird thing that when you know something bad happens and you publicize it and it goes, you know, it goes wide or whatever it gets. It's, it's kind of a tough, it's a tough line, uh, to between like, Oh, Hey, you know, we, our name got out there, but you know, it got out there for, you know, a reason that I, 
I would rather, of course, that our name did not get out than this woman yeah. suffer this. Oh, if yeah. I if said we that could go back yeah. and zero yeah. that yeah. out, just, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but I think that it did spark some important conversations. It did. Like, it did. Like drinking and violence at NFL games. And it's right. very, I mean, uh, you know, you saw a lot of commentary where people said, oh, well, that's what happens when you get a night game. People have been drinking all day. We shouldn't have to settle for one o'clock games because right. people can't control themselves. So as much as it was tragic, it is, um, I think, a, a I think it's good that it started a conversation and hopefully people will keep talking about it and hopefully, hopefully they're going to be, they're going to be okay. Um, down there, in, yeah. down there in San Diego, you know, all of our, all of our love and thoughts to, to the, to the men's shoes and, and hopefully, um, a lesson will be learned from this and, and, uh, either the NFL and the Steelers will respond with some alcohol restrictions or people will respond by yeah. just not being jag offs. Well, we can hope that that will happen. Um, so we're that's an, what's one of the interesting things is the police, response and that's that's one of the the things that happened in this story and that's one of the things that i want to talk to our guest sue kerr about before we get into the real the reason she's here to talk um there are a couple of things that um sort of pertain to some some stuff that she's been through um so we're talking about a football game where thousands of people are um you know are there and are drinking and you know i would think even in a crowd like that that you know a fight like that is going to stand out because all of a sudden there's this, this sort of, there's this fracas. Um, but as Sue and I were talking about before she, before we went on the air, when we have things like protest and we have things like where, where activists or, or just where citizens are out exercising their right to protest, the, there are, there are cops all the way around, sometimes outnumbering the number of protesters at, at times. And Sue lives on the north side, man. She lives in the Manchester neighborhood. So she's very aware of what goes on <laughs> during Steeler games and before and after Steeler games. So, Sue, what did you make of all of this? Well, first of all, I want to be clear that there's a difference between what's security in Heinz Field sure. and in the community because Heinz Field is just, has their own security team. Right. And so when we're talking about police, we're talking in a broad sense. Right. Um, Obviously, it's within the city of Pittsburgh police jurisdiction. Right. And there are officers in attendance. Right. Yeah. But they are also often there on details. Sure. Not necessarily um, assigned by the city. So really, this is in the, I think, realm of Heinz Field and what kind of safety measures they have in place, mm -hmm. which is, is a very big piece. But I do think it's interesting that in October, a small group of about 25 transgender activists and allies to the trans community were protesting at the Allegheny County Jail, and they were on 2nd Avenue. They were met with riot gear, and at some point, they were told to disperse and when they didn't, when they were engaged in civil disobedience and First Amendment protected activity because it violated the uh, road closure policy, right. they, three people were uh, arrested. Or, no, no, I think it was 11 or 12 people were arrested and one was detained and was released later. So when you contrast that response, as a person who's lived on the north side for 15 years in Manchester, it, they don't talk, no one seems to be concerned about mitigating the impact of the, the drinking, the parking, the right. bad behavior for people who live adjacent to the stadium in Manchester, Central Northside, Chateau. And so I'm not, I mean, I'm horrified by what happened, obviously. It, but I also am not surprised because yeah. people start drinking really early. Their bad behavior in the neighborhood is 
just rampant. I can't tell you how many urination stories I have on our property, on our neighbor's <laughs> property. And when we try to get help from the public safety, from the police, from the city council, it's just they're afraid to do anything to tap down the fans because we're talking about two really big things that are part of football culture. That's drinking and making money. Right. And they aren't going to lower the parking rates so people will go into the lots and party. That's why people park up in the neighborhoods. And I'm, you know, we, it's... It's really an issue. I don't think this idea of you have to go to an early game. And I also really dislike this idea that a pregnant woman doesn't belong at a football game. Or that she can't stand right. up and say to someone, stop harassing my husband. Right. That's, you know, it's so sexist. It's, you know, it's this like 1800s mentality yeah. of, of uh, women are huge fans. And right. it's a fan base. And this, and but we don't need coddled. We need good protection. <laughs> right. At the game. And that's, you know, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because of, of the, of the, I mean, again, I don't know how you make a comment that goes against the idea that you shouldn't choke anyone, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't, certainly shouldn't choke uh, a woman or a pregnant woman or someone who, who is half your size. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a ridiculous premise, but that's what some of the people said. Well, she got what? Why didn't she? Why didn't she could have left the situation? And then someone else wrote, uh, I saw a tweet that said, you know, she grabbed him. She laid hands on. Well, the claim was she choked him before he choked her. And it's just it's it's an absurd premise. And there's just this. I think there's this want to protect, you know, what people love which is the nfl and apparently binge drinking and but i was on i was on twelve fifty a.m with john steigerwall a couple of days ago and he said why do we need to open up the lots at 8 30 a.m why do we have to start drinking 12 mm-hmm. hours before a football game or even four hours five hours before before a football game um and it's just it's a culture that needs to change but in the steelers and heinz field say that they're going to look into things but I don't know. Do you really think that there's a chance that there can that there would be any significant change? No, because it happened to a woman who wasn't a Steelers fan. And I mean, we've had violence against women is part of football culture mm. and violence too. And I find it um ironic that people seem to be missing that point that yeah. we have so many incidents of players behaving badly, but the fans are also behaving badly. The idea that you could make an excuse for choking anyone right. is a problem or that you would start to get technical about whether whether it was a strangulation or a choking or a right. throat grabbing. Right. But I don't I personally don't think that Heinz Field and, and um, the stadium authority, the sports authority, I mean, the, the Steelers. It's not that I think that they support this kind of behavior, but the cost to them. Is, go- is so high. So I-, I don't ever go to Steeler games because I'm afraid to go to Steeler mm-hmm. games. I don't want to be surrounded by drunken people being obnoxious. I get enough of that at family reunions. So we, <laughs> we've we, all been there. I think, you know, but when you look, and I don't profess to be an expert, but it seems to me that there should be in every section some sort of security presence. Fans were talking online about, oh, we were trying to de escalate. Well, if it's to the point that they're 
the fans are trying to de-escalate some sort of altercation, there should be a formal presence there. It doesn't have to be a cop. It could be, you know, security. Right. It could be, but they have cameras everywhere. They, you know, there's no reason that the technology does exist and the manpower exists. It's the money. They have to spend more money. They have to hire more people and they have to create an environment. You, know, you don't have to have someone there in stormtrooper garb, right. but someone with a, 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 a walkie talkie to get someone there quickly to right. intervene. And, you know, what do you want? You want to get all the women not to come, all the pregnant people not to come, and eventually have this giant group of drunken men? It, well, yeah. How many people fit in that field? 50 million? Is it? It's it's 50 to 75 million, I think. Okay. No, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, 50, no, right. I was joking. It was, uh, yeah, it's like 50,000. It's a 50,000, 45, 50,000 seat stadium. It's, it's crazy. It's, it, there's a lot of people there. And, and we closed the lots early for big games so they blame all the country fans who are also obnoxious right. when they have these big country concerts but believe me as a as a north Soder, i can tell you when we call for, because there's a problem the response is is the immediate i would say but still they don't do much they ticket they would never tow anyone we'd have never seen anyone be arrested even when they've done some really awful things mm-hmm. um and there's just this idea of like we don't want to drive the fans away because they're already scared to come into manchester yeah you know and i'm just like well keep being scared and right. don't do it <laughs> parking so they need to lower parking rates they need to yeah they need i mean they i don't know what the actual solution is but i know the outcome should be considering the quality of life of people in the yeah. north side would help address other issues yeah and how many times and just the last thing and then we'll get we'll move on but how many times has there been an incident in let's say Homewood or Lincoln Larimer where there's maybe a shooting or something and we have armed police with an armored unit out there um you know looking for for one or two people or they come just you know here we're talking about 50,000 people fueled by alcohol in one place and there's the stadium security, and then there are, as we talked about, there are a few police there on special work detail, uh, you know, after hours work detail. So it's just, it's, 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 it's sort of like, it's not assess maybe it's not assessing the situation well enough or ignoring the situation. I'm not real sure, but... Anyway, <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot, but, but let's move on. Let's... Let's. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, putting your perspective on that too, because I think it's an important perspective from someone who lives there and someone who's, again, seen this um, response from from other angles. But um, let's talk about you, Sue Kerr, um, blogger at Pittsburgh Lesbian Correspondent. Um, one of the back when your blog was two thousand five, I believe, December two thousand five. And at that time, and I remember I was working um, in media and other places in the city. And um, back then we were all kind of writing stories about, ooh, this blogging is coming to <laughs> Pittsburgh. And, you know, and forget about when the social media came. We were all crazy about that. Um, but, you're, but you were really one of, the, one of the first people to regularly start regularly blogging. How did that come about and what made you, what made you get into that? Well, I was doing some guest radio gigs with a local talk host, John McIntyre, mm-hmm. and he would have me on and he sort of dubbed me Pittsburgh's lesbian correspondent. Uh, that was in 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about this blog thing and I, and I wanted to do it because um, I'm a social worker, a community organizer, mm-hmm. like President Obama. Um, <laughs> and we... Um, don't we didn't have a lot of tools to communicate in the community so i was always interested in how we used email and 
uh, I didn't realize that websites had this dynamic capacity. Yeah. And so I figured it was worth a shot. And my a goal originally was to just kind of chronicle life, share events, links, pieces. You know, I didn't really start out saying I want to be a political blogger. Right. But, um, and I met some of the early bloggers. Maria Lupinacci mm-hmm. was a two political junkies, one of the first women who is still blogging. Um, and there were dozens, scores of blogs at that right. point. Um, I wasn't the first LGBTQ blogger. I was... I think the second, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not hundred percent sure because then you start to get into was Tumblr. Did that count right. in live, live? What was that? Oh, wow. Um, live channel, live, live journal. Live yes. Journal, yeah. And, um, live channel. Um, so, but I am, I can say, you know, I am the longest running LGBTQ blog in Pennsylvania and we've it's hung amazing. in there for now. We're and we'll be entering our 14th year. And, so. and, and did you, when you start, I mean, I, I can't imagine when you started it, you're thinking, I'm still going to be doing this in, in 14, <laughs> year, 14 years. Um, what's, what, what, there had to, I, I have to imagine there have been, because I mean, look, your, your blog, um, especially in recent years, I mean, you generate, uh, you write about topics that generate a lot of conversation and sometimes <laughs> a lot right conversation and a lot of um a lot and now that you're writing for us i think you get you get even more uh conversation um but you've really it's it's people people definitely i think react to you in different ways um you know there are a lot of people out there who really love what you're doing but then i mean you know you're you're really your audience also consists of people who think you know just the out just the lgbtq community doesn't need to be you know it's you know the the people who think that it's you know a scene as uh, as the as the pastors might pastors might say um so how have you kept it together i guess for 14 years because again i know just recently there have been some some pretty horrible things said about you and uh, over some things that you've written how do you how do you keep that in check to say, you know what, I, I need to keep doing this even though, you know, maybe at times you didn't want to? Well, that's all true. When I began, <laughs> what I expected would happen was other people would start blogging. Yeah. And there have been some blogs that have started. I was lucky enough to connect with some national bloggers, which helped me sort of establish my um, voice. And I was fortunate that because I – had a tone that I, you know, I strive to be droll and witty and all that, yeah. that other media sites back when they were interested in books <laughs> would pick me up and give me links and, and all of that sort of yeah. thing. So, um, but I want to, you know, I was always clear that I was not a journalist. I'm not a journalist. I'm a social worker. And so this was not a media site. Um, what I realized very quickly is I was pigeonholed as a political blogger and that's because being a queer woman who has something to say and thinks she has the right to say it and right. claims a space to say it was very radical. Um, the hate started out early on. I would get mm-hmm. lots of comments and all of that. But in recent years, it's escalated in a way that I never expected. I certainly didn't think I'd be blogging for 14 years. Yeah. Um, it's my longest relationship next to my partner, Laura. <laughs> um and it's just something that I feel compelled to do because things need to be said. Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania does not have any dedicated LGBTQ media outlet. 
We have a chapter of the National LGBTQ Journalists Association. We have about 40 people that belong to that. So there are queer voices throughout what I would say mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we don't have a lot of openly LGBTQ people in front of the camera right. on the bylines. So I just always felt like it was important to continue saying things. And I want to touch on something you said in the intro yeah. about when you write about things that are difficult, that are, are, are hurtful and violent and yeah. awful, people read them. In 2013, I started blogging about the epidemic of violence against trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, well, trans community, mostly trans women and in fact, mostly black trans women. And this year alone, we have 23 women have been murdered. Last year, we had 25 people, you know, and um, the numbers go on. They're in the hundreds. It's one of those unspoken things. And I made a commitment in 2013 that I would write a post about each person when they were murdered. That's my thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my way to honor their life and their death and the other people who are terrified by this happening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that draws a lot of traffic. That's what people want to read and they're interested in it. I think in part because they want some accurate details, but also there's that voyeuristic piece of it. And then the comments come in, but that's the kind of thing I feel like I can't stop because nobody else has picked it up. And even when we had, we had a woman from Pittsburgh who was in Cleveland, uh, she had moved to Cleveland and she was murdered there. Her name was Felicia Mitchell. She was 45 or 46, just right my age, you know, had all these Pittsburgh ties. I tried to get local media to pay attention to it because there's a local angle and Mm -hmm. nobody did. And so I feel that there's a very real need for queer voices to continue drawing attention. Yeah. And I have all this built up all this, blog credibility so i gotta do something with it absolutely and 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 it's not just we should say it's not just pittsburgh um you know you're known your blog is known throughout the country um and that's that's amazing that your voice is able to your voice is able to reach beyond the the confluence as they always say um the confluence Um, they don't like me at the confluence Because I'm critical of them. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Back in the day, I mean, right. it was, I mean, when WDUQ used to have Tony Norman as their go-to guy on on LGBT issues. Right. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. this, is, this is crazy. And so things have really changed. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is, 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 again, through my through my career here in the city, I've always, when I was involved at the other place, and now that I'm here, we've always tried to cover, we've always tried to cover LGBTQ issues. And a lot of that is because, and I'll, I'll again, pull back the curtain. A lot of that is because Sue would call us or, or send us an email and say, Hey, do you know this is going on? Do you know, you know, that's going on? And, but rarely, I probably can't think of, you know, um, the past couple of years, we had a couple of issues that, um, um, I had a couple of uh, a couple of um, uh, LGBTQ writers who who've covered things when I was uh, uh, working downtown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you like that? I'm I'm coming up with uh, different euphemisms um, for the place I used to be. Um, but um, uh, really, there aren't a lot of LGBTQ writers covering LGBTQ issues. So that's why when we started the current. Um, and we knew we wanted to have, um, we knew we wanted to have a blogger from that segment. Um, my thought immediately went to you and, um, 
I know it was, uh, it was, it's, it's kind of as the current goes, it was definitely, there were some, some struggles early on with getting things together and getting things up and getting them moving. Um, uh, but I feel like you've really produced some great pieces for us. And, and I think that that just adds to our credibility as a legitimate news site to, to, you have to recognize that these things need covered and then you have to then go out and cover them. And I think, you know, so many outlets, you know, um, don't do that. And so that's why I think it's important that, that a voice like yours continues. And that's why we're very glad to have you in the Pittsburgh current. Um, speaking of which, um, Sue has a piece this week in the Pittsburgh current and it is our gift guide as yes, I showed you earlier. It's not anything news or political. Yeah. It's not anything <laughs> new, and that's the great thing is Sue has written things that are political and that are, um, newsy and then she's just done like for example and and i'll admit this i was i happened to mention to sue about her column i was like well i probably won't have room for one because we have the lg or we have the we have the gift guide and sue said do you have a piece on lgbtq gifts and i have to admit i never thought i never thought of that and and um and this the giving the giving guide i think was something that we or the giving thanks issue was something that we thought about and sue out sue detailed some lgbtq uh, groups, nonprofits that were worth donating to. And then with the gift, just talk to me a little bit about why it's important to include, and then we'll talk about specifics of those things. But why is it important to specifically talk about the, like even these general mainstream topics, like a gift guide, why it's important to make sure that it's LGBTQ inclusive? I was just thinking that word. <laughs> Because we are part of the community and yeah. and visibility matters. Visibility is something that helps us um, gain resources, gain access, you know, that it's not just to Kerr, the lesbian blogger. Mm -hmm. There are lots of LGBTQ people in the region, lots of them creating content, for example, and we need to draw attention to what they're doing. Um, when it comes to shopping or spending money or anything like that, putting money into the community is a way to um, put your money where your mouth is, so right. to speak. Um, signing a petition is great. Liking a page is great. But are you willing to make a point to seek out people? And not just LGBTQ people, obviously. We want to support businesses owned by women, businesses owned by people of color. We want to look for um, things that are sort of outside of the mainstream and may require us to make a little effort. Yeah. But through that effort, we're demonstrating our commitment to support alternative voices. Uh, it's not even, we're not alternative voices. Right. <laughs> it's just alternative voice, because right. most of the voices happen to be cisgender, white, straight men. Right. And so, um, it's important also for those businesses, they need the re they need the sales to stay in business and continue what they're doing. And in a lot of cases, like with the shirt I'm wearing, that's on my guide, you know, there's, um, there's a kind of a political message that, and it transcends, yeah. um, you know, I'm wearing a shirt that says yins is a gender neutral pronoun. Anyone could wear that shirt. Yeah. It's not, you don't have to be LGBTQ. And it's funny. And if you're an ally, you buy this shirt and you're like, it's funny because it's true. Right. <laughs> you know, and right. it's so um, it's important for people to realize that there's a lot of there are resources out there and that queer people are creating some of the more interesting and edgy. Do you think that there's an? do you think that. Um, do you ever think do you think that there's an effort sometimes by people to avoid 
businesses like that if they know that it's a an LGBTQ owned business or um, is 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 that a, is that a concern? Do you think that that they may lose business because of that? Well, I think so. Yeah. And but I think that there are plenty of people that are what I call quietly out, and mm-hmm. that they're out, but they're not. Um, they're not making a big deal. And you know, you saw that in the late nineties and early two thousands, especially with elected officials. Yeah. Um, yeah. That um, they would say, Oh, I don't wear a billboard on my head. Well, who does? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's, 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 you know, and, and that's fine. It's a perfectly valid way to exist and there's no problem, but it's not the only way that people, queer people move through the world. There are a lot of people who do stake their claim and recognize that they lose things. I lose things. You know, I am constantly criticized for being a queer woman. If I post a link about my high school reunion or a story from when I grew up in West Mifflin about the Santa on the fire truck and people see the URL PGH lesbian, they're like, why do you have to make this political? So it's literally my actual identity is what offends them. They don't even read the content, which has, I never mentioned the word, you know, lesbian. (laughs) We're talking about something that happened in 1984 when I was 13 years old. So, so I do see that people, um, you you know you definitely alienate folks and we've seen lately how in politics we're not vetting our politicians we right. saw that with um Teron Jenkins running for district attorney that you know nobody thought to ask him some of these questions before he announced that he was running and now it's a very complicated situation yeah. because we're not because there are people who are truly anti LGBTQ but somehow still think that they're allies right and that's not possible anymore. Right. And, and I had a, I had a situation and I'm not going to mention the name or because again, this was a person who was trying to live, uh, you know, their personal life as probably, as you said, as quietly, as quietly out. Um, and this person was, was outed, um, because they disagreed with the person's, uh, uh, they agreed with legitimate decisions this person was making in their, in their public job. And, uh, and honestly, so when this was happening to my friend, the first person I thought of was Sue and I reached out to Sue and I said, so, you know, what, what, what can, what can they do? How do they, you know, and, um, you know, Sue wrote a, wrote a, wrote a piece that it is different. The story got a lot of news coverage. Um, but I think what you're able to do, and it's what I appreciate. It's what I, we try to do too, in all, in all media is, you don't just give the facts. You're able to give the perspective and you're able to call bullshit when it's bullshit. And I think that that's as important as, as that's an important thing. I think an important function of media these days, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to, I wanted to say that I, that I really appreciated that. And my friend really appreciated your support. And um, that I think is one of your, one of your most important, one of the most important things you do is that you're able to give a perspective that other people might be missing or refusing to give. I uh, remember back in night. Um, oh, I want to say 2008, 2007, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Potter wrote a piece about me and he said, Sue Kerr is still giving people fits and headaches over at Pittsburgh <laughs> lesbian correspondence. And I was like, wow, I've arrived. <laughs> Cause I've, I'm, I'm causing a lot of problems. And, um, Thank you for the compliment. And, you know, that was a good story. And it was, that's where I think being a blogger is important. There's a real space for us because we need to be truthful. You know, we need to be accurate. We need to source our, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're not reporting 
in 500 words, something that happened. Yeah. We have an opportunity to infuse our perspective and what we know. It's just, of course, we have to be careful that we're distinguishing. Yeah. You know, we're not creating fake news. We're actually saying we're writing opinions. These are like basically columns, ongoing columns where right. people share their life experiences. And um, I wish really, honestly, there were more. But the problem with blogging is that it's expensive. Yeah. And um, you can do it for free, of course. And But you have to not just spend the money on the URL and the and the software and, and the web hosting, but you have to make the time. Yeah. A lot of people start out blogging. Most blogs last 90 days. Wow. And, you know, so people, it doesn't make you a better blogger if you stick it out. But if you, if you start out and you write 16 posts in the first two weeks and then you don't come back for two months, you're not going to have a lot of, <laughs> right. a lot of people reading. And that's why it's, I think it's great to work with alt media and other bloggers. You know, I invite bloggers to contribute to my site because I love having, um, a chance to not have to write every single thing right. and having different perspectives. One of my bloggers is uh, Trish Mifflin, who is uh, a trans woman who um, everybody thinks that what she writes is mine. So I get credit and blame <laughs> for all of her writing because we have very similar styles. Right. But Trish is an actual journalist. So I take that as a compliment that yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, and now I'm a real columnist. So yes, I have to stop saying I'm not a journalist, I guess. At some yeah, point. and you can read Sue Kerr's column in the Pittsburgh Current, pittsburghcurrent.com, on the socials at PGH Current. So, Sue, tell me a couple of things here before we go. I want to talk about some of your gift suggestions, but talk to me a little bit about Amplify. Uh, what yes. is Amplify? Thank you. Amplify is a community art project where we are building an online archive of Q&As with LGBTQ people who mm -hmm. have ties to Western Pennsylvania. It's a 26-county region. Um, I started it in 2015 in partnership with Most Wanted Fine Art. Mm -hmm. A lot of people know Jason Sauer and his, yeah, his, his work. And I was uh, brought on as a resident and asked to create something through the art of blogging. Um, and we are now in our third year. Uh, and we have 277 published Q&As. Wow. Um, we have more in the hoppers, I like to say. I love to say that as often as possible because it makes me sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and really what we're trying to do is go out and find LGBTQ people who aren't invited to the table, who don't have columns, who don't have access, who are never called by the media or can't right. speak on camera. Our um, One of the things we do is uh, we'll allow people to be anonymous. I have to know who they are, mm -hmm. but um, they can use any name they want, any image they want. And I don't, I don't even edit, lightly edit. Yeah. yeah. I let people, you know, unless they ask me to. Um, but most of the time I want people's real voices to mm -hmm. come through and I mix it in with my regular blogging because my regular blogging is what brings people to the site. And I want them to see, read these stories as part of everyday life, but it is an independent project. Mm -hmm. um, we have a nonprofit sponsor, uh, Persad Center and you know we, we get grant funding we take donations because it's it's a tremendous amount of work we don't have all 26 counties represented yet and we have to get out in the community more um, we want to capture our elders stories before mm -hmm. it's too late but because it's um, an online project people have to sit down and be willing to spend about 30-40 minutes to complete the Q&A and um, I ask a lot of questions <laughs> right <laughs> so, and um, I think that uh, Oh, on your blog, there those stories are 
separated with the hashtag Amplify yes. before the headline. So yes. look for that. And let's talk a little bit about LGBTQ gifts and uh, Amplify, an Amplify t-shirt is one of those yes. things on the on And we're the list. working on a new one that'll be yeah. available after the new year. Fantastic. So, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about what are some of the, so you, you wrote a list of uh, several gift ideas. Um, what are some of your favorites on the list? Um, not necessarily, you know, pitting one against the other, but what, what are some of the things on your list that, well, a couple things, a couple that, 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 that you like that are kind of, you know, um, close to your heart or things that you really think are, are, are great items. And then two, we talked about uh, the yins as a gender neutral pronoun t-shirt. What are some things that, or even businesses, LGBTQ owned businesses that other people might want to, you know, uh, go to for their holiday gifts? Well, the, you know, the shirt is, is a big one. Um, I bought these last Christmas season. My partner and I always get matching t-shirts every Christmas yeah. instead of, you know, um, started with the, have a Charlie batch Christmas. Yeah. Or Charlie batch. You know, we have those shirts. Um, we, this company is called Etna Print Circus, and they're um, in Etna, in someone's garage, mm-hmm. and it's queer owned. It's women, woman owned, queer woman owned, and um, they have some really cool stuff on their website. And if you Google Etna Print Circus or go to the Pittsburgh Current Gift mm-hmm. Guide, there's a link. Um, I really like it because the quality of shirts are there. They do a lot of work. They um, they try to buy um, from companies that treat their employees well. Right. Um, they're really good, big about environmental impact, and um, it's just a small company, but I think people should definitely check them out. I think I have four or five shirts from there. So I'm a big fan of that particular suggestion. Um, there's another place called Steer Queer, uh, which started out as a zine um, that was amplifying queer voices and now has a whole entire shop. Lots of really cool stuff. Um, I put up the uh, Golden Girls Mm-hmm. friend rings you can buy yeah. all four golden girls and have your little rings um or you can buy your favorite and then there's tons of other things and that's one thing i wanted to be really clear about in the guide is that i was picking something that struck me yeah but i encourage people to go to those sites and just look around because most of them artists are creating all kinds of interesting pieces um sam thorpe is on there with some um fashion items from their um Etsy store and Sam is real involved in Amplify. They've helped us with uh, our zine with different pieces. They helped paint our car. I turned my car into an art car and they helped me with that. And, um, but in terms of businesses, you know, there's some restaurants in Pittsburgh that people can support. There's all kinds of, you just have to dig. Right. Yeah. It's not, I mean, yeah, you can't expect it. (laughs) There's not going to be a sign on the door that says, well, there might, there's some might, right. They have like some, like a a symbol or something. Right. Well, there's, there's places that have, if you see a sign that says safe space, safe Mm -hmm. zone, rainbow, pink triangle, that's probably a good clue that there's some queer sensibility there. It may not be that they're owned. My hair salon on the North side is called motive. And after I talked to them, they have gender neutral pricing. They don't charge men one price and wow. women a different price. And I said to them, Oh, you should really promote that because to me, that's, that's not just gay friendly. That's queer friendly. Yeah. And I, when I went to get my hair done this weekend, I saw that they have a safe zone sticker, um, in their window. And I was like, this is fantastic that, that, um, it's a, as people walk by, they see and say, this is a place that wants me to be here. Right. And I can be, and when you're getting your hair done, it's a really intimate experience and yeah. you don't want to just walk in anywhere. I mean, especially if you're worried about, um, being treated with respect and dignity. So businesses can get those stickers. There's tons, again, tons of places that you can always ask me and I'll help someone find them if they want them. But do you have one up at the, at the, um, 
current office. We don't. And it actually just popped in my head that we should get one up at the current office. Yes, we yeah. should. Um, and one at Sorgatron Media. Do you have one up? No? No? See, <laughs> we, we're going to have to produce some, I yeah, think. Yeah, we're going to make oh, yeah. some and put them on the gift guide next year. Yes. I honestly didn't know about them. Oh, uh, there you <laughs> so. go. So, And this is definitely queer space, too. So, um, so I, you know, I think that people, it's important to look for these kind of cool things and, right. and but also recognize that there's more than it just being cool like you don't want to just buy a gift to you know if you buy it just to be trendy and say i supported a gay business that's great right. but really you know, hopefully that builds a relationship and um and we have some magnificent creators in our community i mean let's look at andy warhol yeah the, you know the creator of the creators in pittsburgh and at some point someone had to start out by buying andy warhol's right modest works and um there's a lot of potential Andy Warhols in Pittsburgh. Jason Sauer is one of them, who is not gay, by the way. Jason <laughs> Sauer is an very, incredible artist. He's Jason a great, great artist, and we have a bunch of pieces in our house. Like he designed our our coat rack. Wow. I mean, we have all these cool things that are, you know, just really very interesting. Now, Jason, it, but he's a really big ally to us, and he believes in amplifying queer artists. Mm-hmm. And he's actually, he and his wife, Nina, were the ones that came to me and said, you know, you are an artist. And I was like, I'm not an artist. I'm not a journalist. I'm a blogger. I love the word blogger. I don't need any other words. But Well, you do have the words Pittsburgh Current Columnist, and we're very uh, yeah. glad to have you. And, I don't have um, a t-shirt, though. We will have, yeah, we'll stop by the office. We'll grab yeah. you a t-shirt. Um, a desk, a computer. Uh, listen, you <laughs> you can have a desk, but uh, you might not want it. We're awfully crowded in in, in the space. <laughs> yeah, it's be bring your own computer and chair. But I get to go to the uh, party next week. Yes, I, I, I am an insider. I get to go. I'm very excited. Does yeah. that mean I'm eligible for the basket though, the big prize. I'll check with our HR department. It, it's me. I'm the HR yeah, department. She's the HR I department. Said, yeah. Yes, my partner can enter. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. it'll go. be so, the gift basket. Uh, the gift basket. Uh, we could put an cool Amplify thing. T-shirt in there if you want. Absolutely, that would so. be great. Yeah, we're definitely taking you know items. Send your queer want. stuff in and get yeah. it in this big. Yeah, basket, get it in the so. in the big present. And I also just said, you know, if you know if, if people out there, if our listeners or readers know of other uh, LGBTQ places that folks can support and shop, to drop them in the comments and we'll share them. I mean, yeah. absolutely. You know. It, Let's just keep it going. Let's get as many out there as we can. Absolutely. And I, and I want to mention, too, I had two allies listed. But I one of them, I think it's really important, is the band Haim. Haim, Haim is a, is a indie girl rock band mm-hmm. thing, you know. And they're doing T-shirts right now um, from their um, joke song, uh, Haimaka, um, which is a play on Hanukkah. They're, they're Jewish. Uh, they're from Israel. And so they, they, designed, they did a shirt, and the proceeds are benefiting the three congregations that were part of the tree of life shooting. And so, um, one, you know, so I think that was important to include. They're not a queer band, but because it has that Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. tie and because the shootings had an impact on the queer community. I think that, that we want, you know, to try to, to, you know, Unfortunately, the shirts only go to extra large, which I think is not feminist. But that's another topic for another day. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to have you on again to yes, so talk yes. about that. Yeah, there's a lot. There are a lot. Obviously. In fact, something you just said also made me think of a, a column we're going to have from Sue coming up in the next week or so, uh, an online column, uh, speaking of the Tree of Life and some other things. Um, thank you, Sue, very much for coming in. Thank you for all your good work. Um, thank you for joining us today. Pick up the gift guide. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to... Um, Jake Mislivchik, our visuals editor and our new graphics designer. Um, 
I'm sorry, our art new director. art director. I got it. <laughs> Emily, Emily McLaughlin. Emily is uh, already, I believe she was sent from some higher power. I'm not sure who that higher power is, whether it's Thoraya, whether it's whether it's <laughs> Donald really Trump. Hot. I'm not sure who sent her, but thank you for sending me Emily, the newest, uh, the newest uh, member of the Pittsburgh Current family. So, and I spy with my little eye, Celine, the Pittsburgh Magazine yeah, food writer, yeah, who, please, who came and joined uh, right, us. Yeah, the, uh, right. An old uh, from my old from my old situation, our friend Celine Roberts, food and drink columnist at Pittsburgh Magazine. Now, yeah. um, very proud. I worked with Celine since the beginning of her career, and it's uh, very cool to see her. Um, branching out and doing doing other things and so uh it's good it's a it's a good day and it's a it's a, it's a it's a good time so um thank you for joining us on the pittsburgh current podcast i'll say that for the fourth time and <laughs> we will see you next week this show is a member of the sorgatron media podcast network find out more at sorgatronmedia.com